Hello everyone and welcome to another SACPA session. SACPA acknowledges that this event takes place on the lands of the Blackfoot people and Métis nations of Alberta Region 3 and we pay respect to their past, present and future cultural heritage, beliefs and relationship to the land. SACPA commits to assist reconciliation efforts by raising awareness of the ways past and present injustices can be reconciled. SACPA is also very thankful for the continuing support we receive from the University of Lethbridge, Shaw Spotlight and the Lethbridge Herald. Today we're very happy to welcome Linda Hancock. Um, thank you for joining us, Linda. Linda was, Linda was born and raised in the prairie town of Indian Head, Saskatchewan, Canada. Linda earned degrees in arts, social work, education and psychology to the doctoral level. By the way, she did her Master's of Education through the University of Lethbridge. As a registered psychologist and registered social worker, Dr. Hancock helps individuals, groups, organizations and communities to problem solve and reach their potential. She's a trained mediator who has worked as a child welfare case manager and investigator a mental health consultant, an educator, teaching in college and university settings. Her professional career has spanned the fields of justice, health and education. Linda, thank you so much for your time and uh, for joining us here on SACPA and we very much look forward to your talk. Thank you so very much for inviting me. I'm honored to have this invitation. And you know, it's only a few more sleeps until Christmas Eve, and I'm excited about it. But over the years as a therapist, I've learned that there are a lot of people that actually dread Christmas. There are a number of groups that have problems with it. Some people are going to be alone because they don't have family. There are other people that are distanced because of geographical barriers. Of course, Canada always welcomes immigrants. And Christmas might be a difficult time for some of them who don't speak the language or don't understand our culture. They're going to be missing their relatives who are still back home and celebrating in their own way. Sometimes people are separated because of unresolved hurts from the past that they've never dealt with. I received a call from a senior this week who I've known my whole life and it was quite moving for me to know that she said every year she looks forward to my Christmas letter. Imagine how one piece of paper can hold a senior's interest for a whole year. She said that she doesn't write Christmas cards or letters anymore, so instead she phones. And I was very touched by that. She, last year when she phoned me, she was crying because she was in the middle of COVID and didn't know how to adapt with it. Some people have very bad, bad memories of Christmas. Memories that include abuse or addictions, relationship problems, or other hardships. For others, Christmas reminds them of their losses. I can remember a lady once telling me, mothers don't count the children that are there. They count the ones that are missing. And I know with my military, 
I work a lot with veterans, and often they tell me about how Christmas triggers them and reminds them of when they were on tour of duty in other countries during wars and the terrible trauma that they experienced. So when they look at the calendar, they're reminded of the losses that they experienced over there. For some people, it's an anniversary of trauma. I have one client this year who said she's dreading the fact that her mother died over Christmas. And that brings up the memories, not only of the death, but also the fact that she's not there to enjoy the holidays with them. And also, all of us have been facing losses this year and last year, losses in our lifestyle. We haven't been able to travel. We've often not been able to go to the gym or to the swimming pool or carry on the lifestyle that we were so used to before. Many dread Christmas because of the expectations of others. I remember a few years ago, I had a young bride who came to me and she was so distressed. She said, we've been invited to seven Christmas dinners on the same day. She was a teacher, a professional, and she said, I don't know what to do because I have so many demands at school and everybody wants us to go there for dinner and I just want to have time with my new husband. I want to start some traditions, but I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I remember another woman a long time ago, and she said everybody in the family were now adults, but Grandma, who lived on the farm, insisted that they all go out there and sleep on the floor on the 24th of December so they could wake up together like they used to do as children. And if they all had bad backs and they were tired and they wanted to have a hotel room and grandma was fairly disrespectful and she insisted that she have it her way. Of course, we have our own expectations that can interfere with us enjoying the holidays. We all want to buy the perfect gift. And I found it really hard to do that because people often go out and buy what they want when they want it. So I'm never quite sure of exactly what they would like or what style or color or size to get. Sometimes people want to cook the favorite recipe of every single person that's going to show up. That's a lot of work. They have demanding traditions and yet they never in put in self-care. They never add in the fact that they can't enjoy the holiday if they're too tired or if they're just not focusing on the fun that they could have. And of course, many people know that in January, the bills are gonna start coming in. And when they come, that means they're gonna face some financial stress. And so the result of this and not dealing well with it is feeling stressed, overwhelmed, and totally fatigued. And then this year, for the second year in a row, we add into all of that a pandemic. So it's enough to handle without those things going on, and yet we're going to talk about some of the effects of the pandemic. I recently spoke with a CEO in Calgary, and I explained to him that this virus is much smaller than the three negative things that are associated with it, and I deal with those every day with my clients. The first, of course, is fear. Fear is a very big enemy. People are afraid of illness, they're afraid of death, 
They're afraid they might lose their jobs if they don't do the right thing. They're afraid they won't follow the recommendations. They're afraid they won't understand. They're afraid of losing their freedom. And they're afraid of how this is going to affect their families. Of course, when you have fear, unfortunately, it can affect your mental health in a negative way. So I often hear people talk about low mood, anger, anxiety, and even thoughts of suicide. The second negative effect of COVID has been confusion. Oh, we hear mixed messages all the time. And just when I think I understand, they change the rules. And that's so confusing. We hear different stats all the time from different sources. We have regional variances. We have new viruses with names I've never heard before. And then we have different ideas. And I'm old enough to remember when years ago, we used to lock up the people that were sick. We didn't lock up the people that were healthy. We would have sanatoriums where people would go if they had TB or mental, mental institutions where people could go for inpatient services. But we didn't lock up healthy people. So that was kind of hard for me to understand. The other thing is we wonder who to trust. And I hear all the time when people say, trust the scientists, trust the scientists. But even the scientists don't agree on everything. So that's kind of hard. People tell me, trust the shot. Well, when I was younger and we got a shot, we never thought we'd ever have to have another one. We thought we were protected. Now, that isn't necessarily the case. The third negative effect of COVID has been isolation. And I talked briefly about the friend that phoned me. The people who I find are having the most difficult time are the seniors who still live in their houses alone. You see, if you live in a condo, you can maybe have a visit with somebody at the post office when you go to get your mail or meet someone in the hallway. But if you live alone, you can spend weeks and weeks and weeks without any physical interaction with other people. And so isolation is difficult. But some people are also still at self-isolating. Some people are holding up in their places because they're just so paranoid. They're just so afraid. And even when it's safe to do things, they don't do them. So let's go back to the beginning. Do you remember at the beginning they said two weeks? Well, now it's been almost two years. Do you remember when they said, don't wear a mask, it's not necessary? And then they said, wear one mask, and then wear two masks. And at one point, I remember Teresa Tam saying you needed to wear a mask when you were having intercourse. And I'm like, my goodness, I've never heard anything like this. I'm also quite surprised when I'll see someone out walking their dog in the outdoors all by themselves wearing a mask or driving their car all alone and wearing a mask. And so there have been a lot of things that have changed. And one of the things my daughter and I laughed about yesterday is how many organizations are actually taking pictures of their staff. They're all wearing masks. Even Prince Charles and Camilla made their Christmas card this year with masks on. And it makes me think years from now, when people look at those photographs, will they even remember who was under the mask and who was in the picture? Remember when 
everybody hoped and crossed their fingers that we could just have one shot that would protect us. Just one. And then it was two. And I don't know if any of you have heard, but Dr. Dina Henshaw, the Chief Medical Officer of Health for Alberta, recently said, we need the booster now because if you've had two shots, it's only 57% effective. So we're looking at more and more. And possibly there's rumors out there that we might even need to take annual shots like we do with our, our flu shot. And so what are the new trends? I thought it would be interesting today to just consider the trends that have happened that we never had before. So the first one is about businesses. Businesses have been affected so severely financially, some have closed, some have had to change their operations, and even now many people are having trouble getting adequate staffing. They can't find enough people to help them to keep the business operating. Industry, well, some things in industry have completely shut down, like travel or tourism. I kind of feel sorry for Hawaii because they grow and they look forward to their industry when tourists come to visit and spend money. At other times though, the opposite happens and industries grow. Just stop and think about how many delivery services we have now. Because people tend to order their groceries and then they're brought to the house. Or Uber, different things like that. Supply chain issues. Well, we've all been subjected to that where you want something and they say, well, we can't get it for three months. Or you go to the grocery store and the shelves are empty. How about housing? Do you know that now there's a glut on the market when it comes to condos? And I was surprised to find out the reason why is because so many people have been working from home and they're just so tired of tripping over each other that they've decided they need more space. And so they've been buying houses and there are more condos that are for sale because of that. One of the worst things and the scariest things for people is how prices are increasing. They've increased so much. The other night my daughter said to me, Mom, I bought hamburger and it was almost twice as much as it had been just a few months ago. Finances. You know, it's quite interesting because we have what we call fiat money. And the more money that is produced, the more that's printed, although it's not really physically printed anymore, it's just digitally made available. But the more we have, the less valuable it is. So we're facing two things. Prices are going up and our dollar isn't worth as much. And some people are worried about their savings because the interest rates aren't very good now either. Next are organizational conflicts that we've never seen before. For example, unions and employers have started to turn to the courts to try to resolve human resource issues and to determine how mandates and laws should be applied, if at all. And from a global perspective, well, we're witnessing protests and rallies in many countries as people think that they're losing their freedom and they feel that they have to get out and do something about that. And so people come to me and they say, when will this be over? I don't know. I have no idea. 
And sometimes they're surprised when I tell them that World War II was actually 5.5 years. Now, I'm not saying we're going to have to go five and a half years, but let's put it in perspective because there's no quick fix for this. And when I work with my clients, I often talk about six different C words, and that's how we handle life. So let's go through those six, just so you can see if they apply to you. The first one is change. Not everybody likes change. I can remember when I was working in a government office and we'd go in the staff room and people would say, they're changing the software system again or they're changing the policies. I think sometimes change is good. And as a joke, I would say, well, if we didn't have change, we'd all have to go out and chase our supper with a bow and arrow. So some change is good. The second thing is choice. If it's our idea, we seem to like it better. But if it's not our idea, it's sometimes harder to adjust to it. Control. Oh, nobody wants to be called a control freak, but we all need some control in our lives in order to feel like we're handling it properly. And we don't always have the control we want. And then of course there are consequences. Stop and think about the consequences that you've had over the last two years. What are the things that have happened to you? The last two are interesting because it's choice again. Are you in chaos? Are you finding that your emotions are out of control and you're worried and you can't sleep and things are going wrong? Or are you calm? And are you just trusting that even though there's a storm around us, you're kind of like in the middle of the eye of the storm where it's peaceful. Well, how has the pandemic affected you? Did you like the changes? Maybe not. Was it your choice? Absolutely no. Do you feel in control? Well, sometimes we focus on things we can't control instead of focusing on the things we can control. So we need to make sure we focus on what we do have control over. And if you don't like the consequences, what can you do about it? Do you want to live in chaos or do you want to have calm? We all need hope. And if I wasn't a believer in hope and change, I wouldn't be a psychologist. Because all day long that's what I do is try to instill hope into people's lives and help them to problem solve. We all want change. And I was looking at one of the books I had written the other day, and I'm going to read what I've written. I was quite surprised because that book was written a few years ago, but I said change begins when people act on their ideas despite having opposition or discouragement from others. It's not always easy to take your idea and move forward when other people are saying it won't work or just trying to discourage you. For me, the COVID has been very positive. And I know you're going to be surprised at that, but I'm going to tell you why. I was in Medicine Hat for 25 years and had a very large office with four staff. And when COVID came, my clients didn't want to come into the office anymore. They liked being at home. So I was able to get a software program where I could talk to them through the software. There were so many benefits to it. And I'd say, why don't you want to come to the office? They said, this is great. We don't have to drive. We don't have to park. We can stay at home. We have privacy. We like it. 
that gave me an opportunity to accept my grandson's invitation when he wrote to me and said, Grandma, you should move closer to us. We would like to have you here. And of course, that's an important thing too, is to have good supports. So I was able to move in June to Calgary and I'm only four minutes from my grandson and he's 27 and thank heavens he's a wonderful IT so he can help me navigate all the computer things that I can't do. Because remember, for children, they grew up with technology. So it, to them, it's easy. So the other thing I was going to tell you that I thought, found was interesting was I teach for the Department of National Defense. I do the retirement seminars. And the way it worked before COVID is we had to make sure that we had 40 people registered. And then I would have to haul all my books and binders and my laptop and go over to Kyler, Kyler Road, that's in Medicine Hat, where the armories are. I'd have to get through security and go in and give my presentation. The government paid for those 40 people to get there. They paid for their mileage and their expenses. When COVID came, we had to be creative. And so now it's, oh, and I forgot to tell you, they also had to fly in experts from other areas to do the presentation that lasted for two days, the, those seminars. Now, we just need 40 people anywhere in Canada that speak English. There's no expenses. They can sit at home. I uh, can, I'm in my second bedroom right now. And I'm actually paperless, so I don't need the big office. They can sit at home and have their coffee while they're doing their professional development training. So that was a win-win because we use creativity. So let's talk about some of the good things. I've been a little bit negative today, and I'm sorry about that because that isn't usually my stance. So let's go positive. Let's look at all the wonderful things that have happened since COVID started. And I jokingly say it's almost like the 1950s because people have started to garden again. They've been thinking about growing vegetables, not just outside, but also in their own homes. Think about cooking. Instead of eating out, many of them are at home. Remember when we couldn't get yeast because everybody was so busy making homemade bread. So people have started planning meals and cooking at home. Homeschooling was very difficult at first because parents were used to sending their children off. All of a sudden, here they were trying to get them out of bed so that they could do a Zoom call with the teacher in the morning. But the children wanted to stay up and text. And so they had to learn to work on that. And it helped the fact that the parents could see the curriculum and understand what the children were actually learning so they could have input with the other teachers and with the school board. Think about hobbies. Oh, it's wonderful to be able to read again. Think of how many books you have on your shelf you just haven't had time to read. Or the CDs that are still in the plastic wrapper. Okay, how about checking in on other people? I was quite surprised at the beginning when my children started phoning me and saying, we're just checking on you to see if you're okay. And I'd think, well, why wouldn't I be? I've always been okay. But all of a sudden it raised values and it raised an awareness that we're all in this together. 
people started going next door and shoveling the snow for their neighbors. They started helping each other with technology. And it was funny because one of my clients said, I can't believe it. I've never had so much money in my bank account in my life. And I said, why is that? And she said, I don't go anywhere. So now the money just goes in and I stay home and the money is piling up on me, which is probably a good thing. The environment had big changes. Do you know that you could actually see to the bottom of the canals in Venice for the first time? Even smog started to disappear because we didn't have as many cars going places. But I think the very best thing of all was that people changed their response when I would say, how are you? Before they used to say, I'm so busy, I'm so tired, I've got to go here, I've got meetings, I can't talk. And when the lockdowns came, I would say to them, how are you doing? And they would say, I'm doing fine. So let me just tell you something else that I learned as a child. There's a story that I'm going to share with you. It was about a truce that occurred on December 24th, 2014 on the Western Front. Time magazine wrote about it a hundred years later and stated that there were disagreements about the details as to how it happened, but believed that actually a hundred thousand people were involved. Let me tell you the story. It was just a few months into the war, the World War I, that would eventually claim over 15 million lives. In the trenches on one side were thousands of British, Belgium, and French soldiers. On the other side was the enemy, the German soldiers. Time magazine referred to it as a document from Private Albert Morin of the 2nd Queen's Regiment described this. A beautiful moonlit light, night with frost on the ground and white almost everyone, sorry, white almost everywhere. Now, no one knows exactly what had happened to motivate those troops on that Christmas miracle, but perhaps it was the sheer misery of daily life, of just being in the cold, wet, and dull trenches. It was believed, however, that the change actually began with singing. They were singing. Graham Williams of the 5th London Regiment Rifle Brigade detailed the events, and I quote him, First, the Germans would sing one of their carols, and then we would sing one of ours. And then we started singing, Oh, come all ye faithful. And the Germans immediately joined in singing the same hymn, but with the Latin words, Adeste Fidelis. And I thought, well, this is the most extraordinary thing. We have two nations both singing the same carol in the middle of a war, end quote. The next morning, in some places, German soldiers emerged from the trenches calling out, Merry Christmas, in English. The Allied soldiers came out warily to greet them. In other places, Germans held up signs that said, You no shoot, we no shoot. Over the course of the day, they exchanged gifts of cigarettes, food, buttons, and hats. The Christmas truce also allowed both sides to bury the dead comrades whose bodies had been for weeks in no man's land between the trenches. And one more quote from that amazing Time article. The British soldier Murdoch M. Wood, who was speaking in 1930, said, I then came to the conclusion that I have held very firmly ever since, that if we had been left to ourselves, there never would have been another shot fired. If we had been left to ourselves, there never would have been another shot fired. 
So this story gives us many thoughts to ponder, especially in a world that is captured by the idea of a pandemic, where we hear conflicting messages from different politicians and media sources. We're in the middle of a war. It's a very different kind of war than we've ever experienced, but we shouldn't be fighting each other. So I'm gonna give you some quick solutions or some tips for Christmas. One is block out all the toxic messaging that you've been hearing that steals your peace. Now I'm a media consultant, so I'm definitely not against the media. But when I grew up, we used to listen to the news that was about 10 to 20 minutes of facts. Now we have 24 hours of opinion, conflicting opinions from different sources. Be careful and screen it out. It's like computers, garbage in, garbage out. Number two, choose inspiring and safe topics for conversation. Have you ever noticed that everybody is so passionate and they all wanna tell you what to do? Avoid that. Don't get into arguments with people. Just find safe topics and build an atmosphere that's safe for everyone. Because a lot of times people are angry just because they're afraid. Number three, focus on fun. In my book, Life is an Adventure, I state, most children would rather share a cookie with a parent than be neglected while they're baking several dozen others, even if they're for the children. Make sure that you have fun and maybe bake them together. Do things together. It doesn't have to be expensive. Look for adventures that you can do. Build a snowman. Go on a sparkle tour. Look at photos from years gone by. It's also a wonderful time to give your children and grandchildren a glimpse into their roots and share stories of their heritage and ancestors. My little old Norwegian grandma used to say, Linda, you need to listen to the stories because otherwise when I die, they will die with me. And now that I'm a grandmother, I want to do the same thing and pass those stories on to my children and my grandchildren. Number four, keep it simple. One salad is plenty. You don't have to have too many salads. And leftovers are even better the next day, I think. Have you ever noticed that small children often play with the empty packaging and inside the wrappings instead of with the gifts that you put inside? Five, don't chase after happiness. I have people all the time that tell me, I'd be happier if I could just go to Vegas. If I just had a different job or a different wife or a different thing to do, don't chase after happiness. Instead, learn to be content with what you already have and give thanks. And finally, remember the soldiers from the 1914 truce. Singing is a wonderful way to join hearts and minds. Maybe you could sing this year with the person who you know would be alone if it wasn't for you. What about singing with the immigrant who could maybe teach you one of their songs? Try singing with the one who has lost or grieving this year. Have you ever noticed that after singing, everybody laughs? They'll need a laugh. How about singing with those who are struggling financially? Or perhaps you can even sing with the one that you previously thought might be your enemy. And this Christmas season, I hope that you not only sing the words to the carols, but also experience what they are in your life. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Yes, we can enjoy peace, 
love, joy, and hope. If we just choose to reach out and bring them into our world, have a wonderful holiday season. And I invite you into my website. You've invited me, and so now, now I'm going to suggest that maybe you go over and take a look because there's over 1,100 articles that have been published in three newspapers over the years, in the Lethbridge Herald, the Medicine Hat News, and in my hometown newspaper where I used to write as a teenager. So I invite you there, and I invite your questions and hope that I can maybe give you a little bit of help in problem solving for the next few days ahead of you. Lovely. Thank you very much, Linda, um, for your presentation. Um, I'm going to go right to the questions. Mark Goodall, do you think that the lack of person-to-person -person contact will have long-term consequences, especially in young children and seniors? I think it depends on how we handle it. Thank heavens it isn't 1950, because back then we didn't even have computers or opportunities to do FaceTime or to do Skype and different things like that. So that's one of the things, is to make sure that there are opportunities for children and for yourself to be able to communicate with other people. And don't forget about snail mail. Even though we're so quick to send a text, remember how I told you about the lady that looked forward to the letter? And she said she could read it over and over again. So we need to go into people's world as to where they are. If they're a senior and they don't use computers, mail them a letter, send them a card, give them a phone call. If it's children, sometimes you have to learn how to text because they're not going to phone you in the middle of a class and say, I hate Spanish. Right? They will send you a text and say Spanish UG and you can mm -hmm. reply and say, Rutherford Scholarship. So learn to get into their world and remind, excuse me, remind them of who the people are that are missing. Tell them the stories of your family and of your relationships. Our next question comes from Knud Peterson. Yesterday, Premier Kenny announced that the unvaccinated can legally join family and friends in gatherings saying it relieves tension among them what are your thoughts i'm thinking the opposite well i i'll be honest with you i don't want to get into politics or ideology but i think one of the things that's been the most difficult for us is to well there's two i'm going to say two one is the unknown we really don't know what's going to happen or when and the second thing is all these messages that keep changing you know one day you're allowed to do this and the next day you're not my grandson got married in Lloydminster in July and it was quite interesting for me to see because of course Lloydminster has the boundary right down the middle of the street and on one side there were people that were wearing masks and trembling and on the other side the, it was a party it was a celebration so I think that you have to be very, very careful and do what you think is best. You know in your heart what works for you. You're going to hear all kinds of people, politicians, media, uh, scientists, medical, that all have opinions. But you have to still choose what's right for you. 
Hmm. On that note, um, could you elaborate on, um, sorry, I'm just formulating my question, but I think there's a lot of tension in families getting together where there is people who are vaccinated and people who are unvaccinated. Do you have right. any helpful tips? Um, you said earlier, yeah, you know, just don't go to the difficult subjects, but sometimes those are impossible to avoid. Do you have any tips on how to deal with that within family situations where there may be some really high emotions around those kind of subjects? Absolutely. And like we've even had different situations in our family where we have differences of opinions. Mm -hmm. And that can cause a lot of tension. You know, people want to tell each other, but you're wrong, you know, and you need to do it this way. And I've checked it out, you know, and you're jeopardizing my health or you're putting me at risk and there is a lot of research out there on both sides you know it's not just one thing you need to do your research and find out what's right for you again but also you have to figure out how to put the differences to the side you know i remember a long time ago when i was in saskatoon and a woman said her her son had dyed his hair green and that wasn't terribly acceptable in a fundamentalist church. <laughs> and anyway, people were criticizing and saying, you know, why did you let him do it? And, you know, he lives under your house and you should call the shots. And she said, you know what? It's not going to be long term. It's not going to be long term. If you don't believe in having the jab and somebody in your family has had it, your words are not going to take it out of their body so let it go let it go and if you've had the jab and you think that other people should have had it well you're gonna have to figure out whether you want to have relationship with them and how that will look because it might not be the way it used to be so it's got to be it's a tricky time it's a really tricky time and you have to use wisdom and common sense and you know what we don't have as much common sense as we used to have it's not as common and it doesn't make sense to everyone but if you're getting together through Christmas try to focus on what's important build relationships and build memories don't build conflict don't build conflict so you might have to sit down and have a conversation a nice conversation and say what is Christmas going to look like for us? It's not up to Premier Kenny to tell you who you're going to have in your house. So you need to figure it out so that everybody is freed from conflict rather than drawn into it. Thank you. I love that line. Don't build conflict should be our ending note for the season i think that's a fantastic line um beth mandela loved the story of the ww world war one christmas truce so thank you for that um laurie schultz a friend's cancer surgery was cancelled when restrictions were removed and delta crushed our healthcare system and she continues to wait she's terrified what would you say to help her through this Oh, that's a tough one. 
and like my daughter had surgery this year and I'm not trying to trash anybody but be careful what you're hearing because she was absolutely shocked when she got into the hospital that how few people were in there you know we hear all the time that you know the hospitals are overflowing well if you only have seven beds in ICU it doesn't take long to fill them so I'm sorry that that happened my heart aches for people that have been vulnerable to start with and then ended up having policies make them even more vulnerable I hope that lady has some faith and I'm not a preacher, so please don't take it that way, but I think that has helped a lot of us get through some of the troubles. Unfortunately, many churches were closed and many people were persecuted because they weren't allowed to go to church when all they felt they had control over was their faith. But you don't have to be inside of a church to have faith. And if there's somebody bigger than you that you believe in, I hope she can cling to that idea. and learn to calm herself because I have to be careful how I say this but even when you go and have surgery that isn't always the magic bullet you have to not just put all of your faith in what we used to have our faith in we need to have faith in our own wisdom and if you do believe in somebody bigger than you trust that there may be a different I sound a little preachy and I don't mean to do that. But make sure that you don't just trust one source or one thing to be the solution to all problems. This might be a time for everybody to just rally around her and give her the support that you might not have given if she had just gone into a surgery. Please forgive me if anybody feels offended by that statement. I didn't mean to offend. I just want us all to have, I want us all to be able to recognize that even though we've depended on systems over the years, we've depended on schools to educate our children, we've depended on healthcare systems to look after our health, we still have to take some responsibility and do some things for ourselves. And sometimes, that's what the churches used to give us <laughs> the churches used to give us that social network now we need to fill in for some of that and we can't operate on people but we can be there for them okay um our next question comes from beth mandel how can we help students who are changing from an in-school from an in-school to online or and are having troubles adapting that's a big one. You know, out of all of the people that I dealt with, all of my clients, the parents were struggling the most. It was really hard for parents. Most parents can't do grade four math. Most parents didn't understand what was in the curriculum and how it maybe didn't meet their expectations. I have a grandson who was in grade nine and he actually went out and he brought uh, in industrial arts he made a wonderful wooden clock and when he brought it home his mom said that's absolutely beautiful and he said but here's the really good news 
And she said, what is it? And he said, our IA teacher taught us how to tell time. Do you realize that children often don't know how to tell time unless it's digital? There's a lot of things in the curriculum that parents are reminding me about. They thought that their children could count money, but they don't handle a lot of money anymore. They, there are a lot of things in the curriculum that were difficult for parents to understand and to adjust to. So it wasn't just the children, it was the parents that were having trouble with the homeschooling adjustments. I always encourage my clients to volunteer. If you can volunteer and help somebody with their math or help them learn how to read or even help a parent to uh, tutor, that would be wonderful. And I don't think it's just the adjustment of going from a school setting into a home setting. It's the back and forth. So it's going, you know, I, now we're in school. Oh, now the schools are closed and we're at home. Now we're back in school. And a lot of parents actually gave up. They just said, you know what? It's now May and we just can't do this anymore. So unfortunately, the children are the ones that probably have being disadvantaged a lot when it comes to learning and of course I have four degrees I was in university for 22 years because I had to work and so I only had four months when I was actually full-time so I definitely believe in education and if you can just talk to your neighbors or talk to people you care about and say how can I help don't just go in like a bull and charge and say I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that say how can I help and then help supply the needs. Okay, our next question comes from Mark Goodall. My mother, who escaped Poland with nothing and survived World War II in the UK, often remarked that what Canadians lack is having, a, having bombs dropped over their heads to appreciate what they have. Do you feel that Canadians will appreciate what they have a bit more post-COVID? Definitely. I think we're a very blessed nation. I think that we are used to having everybody do things for us. In some ways, I know I love all my grandchildren, but some ways I think, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's a little bit of entitlement there where everybody thinks, oh, well, you know, I deserve this because I live. And there was actually a really good study, and I think I'm going to bring this up. And it, what happened is they took a number of children and they gave them games that were too difficult for them to do. And they noticed that they naturally kind of formed into two different groups. And the one group just sat there with their arms crossed and said, I'm not doing this, it's too hard. And the other group said, can you give my mother the, the name of the company so she can order these and we can keep doing it? So after the, the initial um, assessment was done, they went back to analyze and find out why the children had reacted in these two different ways. And they found that the children who gave up were the ones that had been told their whole lives that they were special. They were wonderful and they were special. So they were too scared to lose their status by failing at something. So they thought it was easier to just quit than to not even try, and then they could still be viewed as special. The other group had parents who said to them, nice try, oh, you're working at that, good effort. And I think that sometimes can apply to Canadians. Sometimes we just don't try, 
because we're special and we're blessed and we can get other people to do things or we can figure out how to do them a different way. I like what your um, listener had said. I hope we never have to go to the point where we have bombs dropping to realize how blessed we are as a people. And I also think that this has been a hard struggle for us as Canadians, but it has helped us to grow individually and as people because we've had to learn to do without or to do differently with creativity. Yeah, totally. Laura Schultz, what strategies would you suggest for healthcare workers and first responders? A friend who is an ER nurse says she's burned out and depressed. She states patients and families are aggressive and rude. Well, you just have to go into any store to find the same thing. <laughs> like, I mean, people are, get away from me, that's not six feet, or where's your mask? I mean, there's a lot of angst in society right now. The one thing I will suggest is make sure that you know your benefits. Most people have insurance of some type. So they can go onto their 1-800 line or their insurance company and find out what services are available to them. It's always good to have a therapist. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because I am one, it's because I've had people tell me that. Having a therapist is good because you have confidentiality, they're not your friend, they're not your neighbor, they're not your relative, and you're gonna get some objectivity. So use your benefits. If you need a day off, you need to take a day off. If you need boundaries, it's okay to, see, to say to people very calmly and nicely, calm down, we're gonna get your needs met. Or to ask them a question and say, what is the thing that's, that you're feeling so angry about right now? So they feel heard. So I can't really give you one solution because it depends on different situations. But number one, I'm going to say is look after yourself. Make sure you're getting enough rest and that you're eating and that you've got supports and that you're laughing. So take care of yourself because we aren't any good if we don't take care of ourselves. And you know, I often say that we're like a glass of water. If I've got all kinds of angst inside of me and unforgiveness and anger and so forth, and I walk past you and I splash on you, you're gonna get burnt. But if I deal with me and I take self-care and I forgive my other people and myself, you have to forgive yourself too. Then if it's clean inside and you're in pretty good shape and you walk past somebody and you splash on them, they say that was refreshing. So always start with yourself and make sure that you're in good shape because if you're not, you can't help anybody else. Okay, our next question comes from Knut Peterson. Overconsumption is arguably a huge problem and ultimately unsustainable. Christmas is front and center in this equation, and with a supply shortage this year, seems like a perfect time to scale down. What are your thoughts? Is this the fellow whose mother was from Poland? No, I believe. No, no. Oh no. Okay, I just wonder. Okay, so I mentioned earlier that sometimes we don't schedule in 
things. Now, so I'm going to give you an example. I have a client who has been just so overwhelmed with Christmas. And so what I did is I said, pull out a paper calendar, not a calendar on your phone, but actually a paper calendar and start with December the, 30, the 25th and say, what do I want to have happen that day? And write it on the calendar. So you want to be able to have food, decorations and gifts and fun and then work backwards. And so this is the day I buy groceries. This is the day I make cookies. This is the day I put up the tree. This is the day I wrap the gifts. We can't just live in chaos and expect it to be different. We have to plan. And I think that your, your um, listener is right. That sometimes, you know, we have good self-discipline until we get to Christmas and then we just go crazy and drink too much and eat too much. And it's kind of like being a cocaine addict. You know that you're going to suffer, but it feels good in the moment. you got to plan it so that you don't end up regretting it. That's why in January, they always sell so many gym memberships. And by February, the gyms are empty because people overindulge at Christmas. So sit down and make some plans for yourself and make some uh, commitments to yourself. I have a commitment. For example, I don't, I hardly ever drink, but if I'm driving, I limit myself to two drinks because I don't want to lose my license. If I'm not driving, I limit myself to three drinks because I don't want to lose my dignity. <laughs> so put in, put in some limits for yourself. If you're going to have dessert, maybe you're going to have one a day and not the whole tray. Does that make sense? Does it, do you think that answers the question? Well, I, I, I'm not sure because he's talking about overconsumption in terms of, um, I, I suspect, more in terms of an ultimate unsustainability. I think he's more talking about overconsumption in terms of consumerism. It's my sense. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought he meant overconsumption for food and alcohol. No, I think it means more in terms <laughs> okay. of, yeah. Well, I guess that's, okay. a part, that's a way of consumption, but yeah. Right. Okay, so make a budget. Make a budget. Make a limit. You know, about three or four years ago, I decided I wasn't going to buy gifts for adults anymore. It's not like I don't care about them at all, but I just found that they either had what I was getting them or it was the wrong style or, you know, and so I decided instead what I would do is I would only buy gifts for people that are under 18. And you know that nobody misses it. It's actually really kind of neat. And so sometimes I think our own expectations get in the way of us doing well. Just because you think you should give them all gifts doesn't mean that they think you should go overboard or get too involved with it. You know, so I think you have to have a balance between what you have available and what the needs and wants are. Just because somebody wants a new car doesn't mean you have to go buy it for them. So know your own limits. I, for my grandchildren, I give $50 on their birthday, and it's either a card for ice cream or a um, credit card so they can buy their own thing. But I don't buy any grandchildren over 18 Christmas gifts. Okay. So know your own limits. 
Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. And before we wrap this up, could you give us a take home message, please? Yes. Look after yourself. Look after yourself. It's like your car. Stop and think about your vehicle. If you just put sugar in the tank and you never change the oil, you're not going to go as far as mm -hmm. if you do your maintenance regularly and you take pride in doing the things that you know will help you with longevity. Eat right, sleep right, don't hesitate to hug somebody. Make sure you laugh. Make sure that you also get your own needs met without having that rat wheel that's racing, you know, or the hamster that's racing and racing. Remember, you get to choose. Do you want your life to be filled with chaos or with calm? It's all up to you. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, join us next week, January 6th, not next week, sorry. We are taking a Christmas break or a holiday break here at SACPA. We shall be back January 6th with Preston Crowchild, Indigenous involvement with the Canadian military. Thank you, Linda, for joining us. And I wish everybody who's watching this a very good holiday season. Merry Christmas, everyone.